0: Ever since my second Sunday here when the lights went out (laughs) I have been daily praying for light to continue to shine in this place and that the light of Christ would shine not only in this place but far far beyond. So if you are a praying person I hope you join me in that prayer for expansion of the light. Would you bow your heads, please. Christ, you are our light and our hope. You are our comfort and our salvation. By your Holy Spirit, enlighten our eyes and our hearts. That hearing your word today, we may respond with joy. In Christ we pray. Amen. Last Friday evening I was able to spend time with some beautiful fourth and fifth graders of this congregation. We made brownies and I lost at Giant Uno, which is a really fun game, and we talked about Jesus. And if you've forgotten what that group is like, think energetic, honest, curious, and really funny. After our culinary expedition in the kitchen, we sat down with the empty brownie mix box and the introductory question, how is following the instructions for making brownies similar or different than following Jesus? That's a hard question. You have to think about it. (laughs) I think, said one of the girls, that if you don't follow the instructions for the brownies right, you end up with a big hot mess which was actually literally true that night. Anyway, um, and if we don't follow God, she said while holding the Bible, we end up a big mess. One of the boys said, well, making a box of brownies isn't easy, but it's a lot more tempting than trying to follow Jesus. I think about uh, those kids this morning because after that conversation we then read the story of Jesus calling his disciples in Matthew 4 and then walking all over the region teaching about God's kingdom and curing people of their illnesses and the crowds began to follow them. And those were the same people, the people present at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the text today. So often when we come to the scripture text, we envision a group of people that have it all together. These people did not, they were hurting, they were broken, they were in mourning, some of them were literally hungry and thirsty. And these words of Jesus were for them, and they're for us too. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket. But on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. In twenty seventeen, while in Israel studying in West Jerusalem. There was a troubling event that happened on July 14th. That day we sat down to breakfast and the news that two Israeli policemen had been shot and killed in the area known as the Temple Mount within the walled city of Old Jerusalem, about a 15-minute walk from where we are staying. The Temple Mount is home to holy places of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and the area is under Jordanian control within the oversight of Israel. Immediately after the shooting of the police, the Israeli defense forces killed the attackers and closed the Temple Mount to everyone while they searched for weapons. And so began a two-week standoff with international repercussions over metal detectors and the right to pray in that place, as well as the reciprocal violence resulting in the deaths of young men protesting and a Jewish family sitting down to a meal on the Sabbath. Tensions were high, the temperature was 100 degrees, and the 37,000 people of different faiths living in the 0.3 square miles of the old city found their livelihood disrupted as tourists stayed away and merchants coming from outside the old city weren't allowed in. Our group continued to study that day and the next and next and pray together and listen to narratives from very different people who were learning to live together despite great obstacles to peace. But I have to admit, as much as I love Jerusalem, it was a relief to leave that city under such tension when the program was over and to drive up into the Galilee region where Jesus walked with his disciples more than 2,000 years ago. While the holy places in the old city of Jerusalem are generally covered up with ornate buildings and navigated through crowded and twisting streets, The sites in Galilee are spread out in a rural setting where one can easily picture Jesus teaching and healing and performing miracles so long ago. And one of those places is a gentle slope rising on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee where a church sits built in 1937 called the Church of the Beatitudes. And here it's thought Jesus sat down, the position of a rabbi, to teach his disciples and the followers, the crowd, the broken, the hurting, the hungry, to teach them the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically this portion known as the Beatitudes, which is just the Latin word for blessing. Jesus had been traveling, teaching, announcing the good news, healing disease, and with good reason he was drawing crowds from the immediate area and far beyond in concentric circles. He was steeped in the Old Testament scriptures, so the form and the language of the Beatitudes are very Jewish in character, very similar to the Psalms and the Proverbs. Blessed are those who walk in the ways of the Lord. Happy are those who follow the law of the Lord. That's the kind of pattern the Beatitudes are in. And after Jesus unfolds this life of blessings, surprising blessings for his listeners, he assures this crowd, this, this broken and beautiful crowd, that they That they are, not that they will be, that they are the salt of the earth. But that they need to keep using their saltiness for God's priorities in the world. And then he tells them to let their light shine. Salt and light, both commodities in Jesus' time, valuable resources to be poured out, to be never hidden. It's, It's not enough to know about God, he's implying, We need to be the activity of God in the world, to be that salt and light in the world. And as I think about how we let our light shine in today's world, I became focused on verse nine of the Beatitudes. And that's the one that says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It can also be translated as, Happy are people who make peace, for they will be called God's children. Or in the message version, You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight, that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. While in Israel, one of our places our group visited was in the West Bank, and it was a joint project called Roots. It was founded on land donated by a Palestinian family, and there, not just Jews, but Jewish settlers and Palestinian Muslims are learning to see each other, hear each other's stories and begin to understand that although both peoples have been victims, the only shared future they have is together. Under the establishment of this group in 2014, until then, most of the Jews in that area had never met their Palestinian neighbors, and likewise the Palestinians there hadn't met their Jewish settler neighbors. And now their bold mission is to foster a grassroots movement of understanding, nonviolence, and transformation among Israelis and Palestinians. And they're doing it neighbor by neighbor and family by family and village by village, and spreading their message to the US as well. If left up to politicians and policies, I believe peace will be a long time in coming. But if it is led by individuals bold enough to step out in faith, to forgive each other, to pursue justice and peace together, then anything is possible. Their work reminds me of a saying by the Chinese philosopher, Lao Tzu, if there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. And if there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. And if there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. So we start with the heart. And on every, any given Sunday, when we show up here, our hearts are in varying degrees of health, aren't they? Not just physically, but the times where we're struggling, the times where we're feeling a a, a darkness that we can't quite speak, the times where we are discouraged. Our hearts come here and Sometimes they're split wide open, and they're waiting for a word of grace and and light from God to come in to make a home to allow us to overcome our natural tendency towards selfishness and fear and anxiety. In other words, we come here so we can, quote, read the directions like on the brownie box, so we don't make a big mess of our lives and the people around us. We try again and again to focus in on who God would have us to be these crazy beatitude people whose values are so different sometimes between what is out in the world. Some of you may have heard or read the speech by Arthur Brooks at the National Prayer Breakfast. Brooks is a social scientist, professor, and opinion writer for the Washington Post, and it caught my attention because in his address he identified our current national mood as a culture of contempt. He thinks that contempt has become a habit for us. He compares it to a couple having marital troubles, and the counselor sits down with them and they communicate with sarcasm and hostility and rolled eyes. He says, we've gotten used to treating each other as worthless, which is the very opposite of Jesus's instructions in the Sermon on the Mount to love our enemies. He said this habit of contempt is tearing our society apart, and he asked the audience full of politicians, this was not a church, it's a collection at a prayer breakfast full of all sorts of people, and he asked them, to become missionaries for love in the face of contempt. Literally, he says, to go to the dark places to bring light. I believe God calls us to work alongside those who, who most long for peace, whether they are near or far. And we don't have to go across the world to see people who are struggling because they experience violence in their daily lives. At the end of last summer, our son told me a story about a five-year-old girl he met while he was lifeguarding at Huntington Beach. And I, I've, I just, I'll never be able to get this story out of my head. He said she was part of a group of inner city Cleveland kids, and they were brought to the beach for the day, and the guards were interacting with them on and off for a few hours. He has some strange interactions at the beach anyway. Um, one time he saw a, a stroller with somebody walking their cat strapped in the stroller. Um, other times he has uh, uh, people from further away asking what ocean it is that they're looking at. So they, there's all kinds of conversations. But, but this one was very tender because during um, the time he was guarding, the girl approached his chair and um, looked up at him and asked him why the three fish in front of her were lying on their sides at the edge of the water and he responded it was because they were dead so they can't swim anymore and she looked back at the fish for a few moments and then looked up at him again with a question that broke his heart who shot them few days after that conversation, there were more stories of heartbreaking violence near and far, witnessed by children, done to them. Too many children live in neighborhoods where violence is visible daily and becomes part of the fabric of their upbringing. How is God calling us to be peacemakers where we are, to personally stand for peace, to be peace for someone else? How will God Bless our faithfulness in being a peacemaker and sustain us even when we are weary ourselves, even when we feel the darkness creeping in, even when we despair that we are making any difference. How will God bless us still and call us God's children? Psalm 34 says, seek peace and pursue it. And in in so many ways, I, I know I'm speaking to a room full of peacemakers. I see you because you follow the Prince of Peace. I see you making room for each other. I see you teaching, serving, praying, working for justice, advocating for the most vulnerable. One example is that many of you are signed up to go to Greater Cleveland Congregation's Criminal Justice Action at Olivet Baptist Church in a few weeks, where people of faith will push for the creation of one or more off-site pre-booking mental health and addiction crisis centers in Cuyahoga County. Our church has experienced the effects of a mentally ill individual who entered our building with a knife and committed a violent act in front of our children and I hope you are still praying for them, for their families, for the victim, and for that attacker. Thank you to those who will be witnessing to the need for more mental health facilities in our county. Others among you too, to refugees, you teach and you foster children, you sing of God's love, you're healers, you're advocates, you're witnesses. It's actually very difficult as an interim pastor to trace everything you do because you don't wait sometimes for someone to ask you to do it. You're just out there doing it. I see you in the community. I see your picture and photos of people doing good things. I read your names, and you're, you're out there responding in your faith. Remember that peacemakers can look like troublemakers to those who can't see the kingdom. Remember that as you do your jobs with integrity, as you practice your faith even when it's difficult. Remember when you tell the truth and bear the consequences. Because you are peacemakers, you travel to other places and learn what it is to be in their shoes, or you read and expand your mind, or you pray for people whom you never meet. You pray for your enemies, and you believe God will answer. You anoint one another for healing and you lift your voices in protest and song and you practice your love in families and you forgive and that is so hard to forgive. You forgive. And you look for the good and you do good, and you don't give up, and you stay hopeful because Christ is our light, and you are blessed to be called children of God. And in this community of faith, where we learn to be Jesus followers from baptismal waters until death, there's room for all of us here, the tireless ones leading the way toward justice and peace, the salt of the earth faithful, the bright lights as well as those in whom the light has gone dim for a bit and who are hungry and thirsty just to get through the day. There's room for you here. Together, we must go into the dark places bearing the light of Christ. And Christ will be our light. Shalom, my friends. May peace shine upon you and within you. Amen. Let us continue our worship of God, the giving of our tithes and our offerings.